Okay, okay. Don't worry, I'm not drawing any body parts. <laughs> Although we do see that they fit together rather nicely and God had a plan. But let's not go there. My wife is already hacked, okay? So you guys pray for me today. That's all I'll say. My wife is here, so uh, continue to pray. And actually, she's going to help me out today, right? <laughs> right, okay. When it gets that time, we will have some fun. Okay, the only reason I have this up here today is because I'm going to talk about a few terms that may be unfamiliar to you. Uh, to some of you, they won't, but to some of you, they may. And I just need for you to kind of get a grasp on the terms so that we can kind of talk and uh, have an intelligent discussion. So I'm going to look at four major uh, terms today and, and really kind of worldviews or stances when it comes to the roles of men and women. We won't talk about a whole lot of sexual stuff today, uh, but we will set up to talk more about uh, sexual intimacy and relationships between men and women uh, in the next week or two. Uh, but today what I want to do is I want to set a foundation to start to outline some of the differences between men and women. And we're going to look at four different views that uh, make up, generally speaking, all the views that, uh, that make up how we think about the different roles or, you know, whether, is, whether there is no difference or not. The difference roles between men and women or lack thereof, okay? So the first one is uh, chauvinism. Okay, and I'll define these and we'll kind of look at because all of these are stances that people take and all of these different positions have verses that those that hold these positions use to evidence or back up what they say that they believe or what they say the Bible teaches. The second is feminism. Forgive me if I spell some of these wrong. Is that wrong? Feminism. Is that right? Feminism. I didn't say I was a speller, I'm a preacher, okay? The next is egalitarianism. <laughs> I didn't know last is complementarian. Good Lordism. Is that right? Yes, it is. That is an actual word. Where? I instead of an E here? Thanks, babe. I should have just went ahead and had you come on up. Hey, which makes a perfect point about complementarianism, you see. All right, so we're going to open up the Bible. We're going to learn from the Bible, but I just need for you to kind of see some of these things up here because we're going to look at these, and this is where you will fall in one of these categories wherever you are and whatever you believe. You'll fall within chauvinism, feminism, egalitarianism, or complementarianism, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to search the scriptures to figure out what is the most biblical position uh, to have. Now, remember, as we're going through the Awakening series, and please forgive my voice, I have it back, but I'll probably give it all to you today. <clears throat> 
When we look at the Awakening series and what it was meant for, what we're trying to do is not necessarily answer the questions with exact answers. So I will give you what I believe is the biblical view on this. But really what I want to do, let's, let's re-examine what we want to get out of the whole series, The Awakening. And the whole idea is to not necessarily give you the exact answers, though we will look at some answers. It really, the idea and the goal is to help you to know how to think about the question. So when we get to, and this really matters, okay? When we start to think about chauvinism and feminism and all these ideas, it really matters in our life what position we take. Because where you stand on these issues will decide how you interact with your spouse, how you interact with men and women around you, and how it is that you feel and think toward these things really have an impact on who you will date or who you will marry, uh, what type of job, what type of perspective you will have on life, all of these things. And so it really actually matters what you believe. <clears throat> the question is, how do you get... How do you get to what you believe? How do you determine how you believe about these things? Do you just adopt whatever's been placed in front of you? Do you just flow into whatever thinking that has been dominant within your background, your family, your culture? Uh, do you move and shift with the times without consulting the word of God? Because as you and I know, times change, cultures change. Sometimes our ideas and our thoughts change with that culture. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Because what that can mean is that not that we're progressing or that we are becoming better uh, men and women, but that we are conforming to the ways of the world being conformed to the image of the world. Instead of being renewed, right? Instead of being transformed by the renewal of our minds. So we do, we do not want to get our understanding of manhood and womanhood, of uh, predestination or uh, how we are to interact, how we are to feel about life. We, we do not gain our understanding from the world but we look at the world and we gauge the world and their viewpoint by what? By the word of God. And if it conflicts with how we believe, then we don't change the word of God to fit what we believe or the culture's beliefs. We change the way that we believe based on the word of God. Okay, so what we want to do is I want to open the scriptures and I want to kind of show you these things in the scriptures and then I want to kind of go through this and I want to look at how Jesus walked. I want to look at what the Bible teaches. Before I do, I want to pray, okay? Jesus, I pray this morning that your word would be dominant, that your presence would be felt. I pray, God, that, that we would not allow our flesh and our chains to keep us from seeing what you have taught us in your word. I pray, God, that those ideas that are cultural, that bind on us, would be loosened and cut away, and that your word would determine who we are and how we think and what we do. Help us in every way to look to you. Help us this morning to see your glorious face and to fall on ours. I love you, Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen.
All right, so let's open up the Bible and let's look at what the Bible teaches on several different levels. All right, the, the key verses that we're going to look at this morning are Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> now, we'll move around the scriptures uh, a pretty good bit because what I want to do is I want to show you a fair amount of scripture to show you that this is not what I've adopted. This is not what I just think to be right, but this is my best understanding of the roles of men and women that I can get from the word of God, okay? You guys care what the word of God says? Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I care. All right, well, let's get into the word. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Here we go. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. How many of you wives just said, yeah, but that son of a gun. <laughs> right? We're going to get to that too. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything, everything to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, <clears throat> so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are all members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. What, we've, what we have here is a great treatment of both wives or women and men and husbands. What we have here is a great balance. You see, as we look at the Great Awakening, or at the Awakening series, what we've, what we've done throughout the series is said, well, people tend to fall to an extreme over here, and then in reaction to that extreme, they will overcorrect, and they will go to another extreme. And what we've found as we've searched the scriptures and thought about these things is that normally the, 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 the truth is somewhere in the middle. And so what I want to present to you are the two extremes, in my opinion, and then we want to look for a middle ground that the Bible teaches and how we can understand to think about the roles of men and women. So the first one is chauvinism. Now, <clears throat> chauvinism and those who hold to chauvinism will actually use uh, Ephesians chapter 5, but they will stop at e Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. They will talk about how the husband is the head of the wife. And wives, submit in everything to your husbands. Uh, submit, 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 submit. So uh, chauvinism and those who hold to this would use Ephesians 5, uh, let's just do abbreviated, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, and they will say that men 
are greater. They will say men are greater. Chauvinism uh, takes this, this male headship to a place that says men, they don't just have a, a, a role distinction, but they are greater. Women are less and men are greater. Women need to shut up and be quiet and let the men talk because women are stupid and men are smart. Women are weak and men are strong. Women are nothing and men are everything. And if the women would just sit down, shut up and be quiet and get in the corner, this world would be fine. I see women like, you chewing that gum, right? Preacher, where's my knife? We're going to have a problem. Well, I'm not a chauvinist. Okay, so get off my back. All right? All right. So, but this is where the chauvinist would land. Okay? Now, I've got several other scriptures here, but for time's sake, I want to kind of move on because I want to get to what I believe is the balanced position and where Jesus Christ, where I think I find him in the scriptures. Okay? But we know, how many of you know somebody like that? Don't raise your hand and don't point to your husband. All right? Hey, what are you smiling? No, I'm just kidding. All right, so we all know someone who's like this, all right? Normally, you know, they wear cut-off flannel shirts, right? Camouflage hats. If you have cut-off flannel shirts and a camouflage hat, I didn't necessarily mean you, okay? But I'm just saying, generally speaking, they carry guns and they chew dip, okay? I just described half of our church, this is for you, okay? Now, what I want, I'm sorry, baby doll. I know, I know. My bad, fellas. But listen and learn, okay? So chauvinism is, is really a detriment not only to women, but to men. Because this is not how God calls men to operate. When I told you that they use Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, it is at the absence of 25 through 33. See, so what they want to do is they want to say, see there? The Bible says that the man is the head and that the woman should submit, right? But it fails to look at how the man... Now, we're not going to really talk a whole lot about men today. We'll probably talk about them next week because I want to give you a clear understanding because I think that for a woman to accept the biblical role of womanhood, I believe it's hard. How many of you women would say amen? It is hard. Because it's actually, it was actually the curse that fell on you because of the sin from the very beginning. Actually, your flesh and the sin that is inside of you makes it hard for you to accept the God-given role that has been given to you. Just like it is hard for a man to accept his. We tend our flesh to fight with everything that's in us to be who God is calling us to be. So it raises up in you. So I want to give you ladies in the room today. I don't want to just correct any wrong viewing. I want to encourage the right viewing. And I want to build you up. And I want to show you that it is not, it is not degrading to you that you might submit to your husbands. I know that our world is saying it is, but I'm going to show you today that it's not at all. Okay? So hang on for the ride. Some of you are like, yeah. Let's see what you got, preacher. All right. So chauvinism is 
men are greater, okay? <clears throat> there are some men in here that probably struggle with this. But now feminism, on the other hand, is just the opposite. And we'll go to, we're not going to go there, but if you go to Proverbs chapter 31, it shows this strong woman who actually can, can run a business or do business in the workplace. It shows this woman who has wisdom. It shows this woman who has respect from the people around her. And, and it shows this really strong woman, right? So they go to Proverbs chapter 31, and they go to Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. I'm not going to go there either, but what it says is, is that now that Christ has come, we've been freed from the law, and there is now neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave or free. And they'll say, see there? There's no roles anymore. There's no difference between men and women. And actually, they'll take it a step further, and they'll say that women are greater. They'll also go to Judges chapter 4, and we don't have time to go there either, but it shows this lady named Deborah who had a lot of weight to carry in the Old Testament. I think there's a reason for that. But it shows this strong woman who provides a way out for the Israelites. God uses her to do a lot of good things and to bring this reconciliation to the nation of Israel. He uses her in it. But what the feminists will do is they'll say, uh-oh. They'll say that, that men have traditionally been the leaders. And look how jacked up it is. Do they have a point, men? Don't put yourself down like that. Look, they do have a point, though. So what they will use then is Ephesians 5, 25 through 33, and Proverbs. There's, there's lots, but Proverbs 31. And what they will try to say is, look, for years now, these men have been in charge. And if it could get any more messed up, you tell me how. His wife can't be here. Oh, she is. She said, amen. She said, amen. Hey, I know. Oh, she said, he said, oh, okay. No comment. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> chauvinism would say men are greater. Feminism would say what? Women are greater. So chauvinism would say men are greater, and if women would just shut up, we would have it all taken care of. Feminism would actually say women are greater, and if stupid men would stop standing up and doing stupid things, we would be able to correct this whole matter and straighten everything out, right? Because women are smart and men are stupid. Actually, what was the thing, Heather, that Titus came home and he said, all the little girls at school say this rhyme. Uh, come on, help me out. G girls go to college to get more knowledge, but boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider, right? <laughs> so I said, I, that's perfect. That's perfect. You see where the world is going, okay? So feminism would say that women are brilliant and men are dumb, and women are greater and men are less, okay? <clears throat> I do want you to, to, to learn one more word right here because we're going to make a little bit of a distinction when we get to egalitarianism, and that is the word intrinsic. I don't normally give you a lot of words, but this is actually valuable. Intrinsic. Okay, I think that's right. Intrinsic is this worth or this value. Actually, intrinsic means just 
naturally have it or it's always had it. It's just built in, okay? Do you get that? Intrinsic is the worth or the value or the truth that was there from the very beginning. <clears throat> and so when we start to talk about egalitarianism and complementarianism, we'll make a little bit of distinction between worth using that word. So what I want to do is I want to I kind of move now from, now would anybody say, no, I don't want to get you in trouble. For those of you in the room, there may be some chauvinists in the room even if it's subconsciously. Because I want to tell you, for the longest time, our culture has been chauvinist. Male-dominated. Not male-led, but male-dominated. And women, rightfully so, have been slowly trying to be liberated. Now, I am a woman liberator. I, I want to see women uh, liberated. I don't want to see them dominated. I want to see them liberated. But now what we've seen is we've, we've started moving from chauvinism and we've went past liberation to exaltation. And what we're seeing now is the emergence that's been going on for a while, but feminism now is very prevalent in our culture. And it's, and it's, and it's so much so that it's pushing its way through the media, into the media, elevating women, not to a place of equality, but to a place of domination. Okay. Do you see that as well as I do? It's trying, it's trying. That's what's coming out. <clears throat> but what we see is it going from one extreme to another. For the record, I think both of these are incoherent with the Bible. I don't believe that either one of them work. <clears throat> now, when we start to look at a middle position and we look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 and Proverbs 1, because we have to balance all of these things now. We have to ask ourselves, okay, well, then how does it work? Should the male lead or should it be like this perfectly equal thing where both kind of lead or, you know, how does that work? Now, there's two views that kind of land in the middle here. And, and some of you may be egalitarian. Some of you may be complementarian. I'll tell you where I fall is in complementarianism. Uh, now, I'm not telling you if you're an egalitarian or I'm not even telling you if you're a chauvinist or a feminist that you're going to hell because none of these are necessary for salvation, okay? You could be a child of God and just kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, no, nah, I didn't mean to. <laughs> so, you could be, my wife's like, oh, here it goes. I just think that this is, I think that this is pretty easy to see that I don't think that this is very biblical. I think this is pretty easy to see that this is not very biblical. But you could be a chauvinist and still be a Christian, I think. It depends on how bad you are, maybe. It depends on what you believe about Jesus. But when we get to egalitarianism, complementarianism, it's a little harder to distinguish here because of the little differences. Now, as I read this, I want to go <coughs> and I want to read to you. Uh, if, I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I want to show you this. Now, I just read Ephesians chapter 5 where it says the husband is the head of the wife, okay, just as Christ is the head of the church. Now I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, what has happened over the years as people have tried to deal with these verses, especially since feminism has started to emerge, they have to do something to discredit this male headship that seems to be from Genesis to Revelation. 
We see patriarch and patriarchalism. We see this idea of male headship throughout the scriptures. Okay, and, and a feminist really has to work harder than a chauvinist to find supporting verses. I, I think everyone would agree with that. But what people would try to say is, oh, well, that was cultural. That was for that time and not for this time. <clears throat> and in the Bible, there are things that seem to be cultural and don't transfer to the next culture. What the difficulty is, finding that distinction between those things that transfer across culture and that stop because of culture, such as Paul trying to uh, deal with certain aspects of one church, like he does, I think, in 1 Corinthians, where he's trying to deal with an issue that's specific to that particular church, but doesn't necessarily involve the churches that are around him. So what he's doing is he's addressing a problem there with a principle, but that principle might not cross over to the next church. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. So what we have to do then is we have to say, okay, let's let the Bible interpret the Bible and let's figure out now, are these cultural things or are these overarching general principles that we can apply to everyday life today that we need to test the culture by and say, no culture, you're wrong. That's not how it is. Or do we say, well, the culture actually got this one right. So I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> and I want to show you these verses. It says here, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, this is so important, because what have many, many women have said is that you're only to uh, be subject or submit if you have a really godly husband, one who really leads well, and who is, other than that, you dominate that joker, right? If he's an idiot, dominate him, right? But listen to what it says here. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. So does a wife's role or personality or conviction or obedience to the scripture, does it depend on how great her husband is? Absolutely not. Oh, thank God. On the other hand, are men to be leaders and love their wives and sacrifice for their wives only when they deserve it? Oh, we'll dig that one out too. Because I want to tell you right now, I talked to a brother of mine this morning. And sometimes the most godly examples of Jesus Christ are found in horrible marriages. Or the man or the woman sacrifices and will not give that relationship up. Even though they are being hurt and betrayed. Because husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm. That's good. So when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. That's going to be huge too. As we, as we, how does God feel about how women are and the roles that they have? That is very precious in the sight of God. Listen, verse five, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. All women's life. George, get your, get your purse right now. We've got to go. 
I'm not saying call your husband Lord, but we're going to get there. And you, and I'm sorry, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. It goes on to talk about husbands. It says, likewise. Now, I want you to listen to this. Husbands, listen to this, but I want you to listen to this, wives. Likewise, or ladies in general. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel. Since there are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Tough verses? Those kind of tough verses? Yes, no, maybe, kind of in between. For a strong woman, many times those verses are really hard to read. They're hard because a lot of people use those verses to say again, women are nothing, they're weak, they're insignificant, and they need to be quiet. But it's only if they leave out the call to men to live with them in an understanding way, seeing that they're co-heirs. Here's where I want to talk about egalitarianism. Because what egalitarianism says, they, egalitarianism uses several of the same verses. It uses uh, Galatians chapter 3. Uh, it uses 1 Peter chapter 3 <clears throat> and several other places there. And what it says is, is that men aren't greater and women aren't greater and that there is absolutely no distinction between the two. Men and women are equal, and this will be this will be important in every way. Absolutely no distinction. <coughs> no distinction. Sorry about that. No distinction whatsoever between men and women. It means that they are. They are equal in intrinsic worth and they are equal in role differentiation, meaning that there's no difference in role, there's no difference in worth, there's no difference in value, there's no difference in strength, there's no difference in anything that all of the New Testament teaching, all of the Old Testament teaching that seems to separate out or distinguish a role between a man and a woman, no matter how slight, no matter how insignificant, no matter how great, is absolutely not pressing on us today and not relevant to us today. That was cultural and it is gone because of Christ or because of whatever reason. That they are equal in every single way. There's no difference whatsoever. Does everybody understand that position? Okay. <clears throat> now I've saved complementarianism for the last. And what I want to do is I want to give you an understanding of complementarianism and then I want to evaluate these two. Okay, that's what I want to do. So complementarianism would use several of the same verses, so I won't go back and read everything, but there is a slight difference between egalitarianism and complementarianism because what complementarianism would say is that <coughs> egalitarians are right in saying that there is no distinction between men and women when it comes to intrinsic value. Meaning that there's no greater worth, there is no difference between men and women in the sight of God. 
uh, how much one is worth, uh, how much value is ascribed. Uh, a complementarian would say, both are created in the image of God. Both have a soul that's just as important to God as the other one do. Both carry just as much a significant weight as proclaiming the gospel and making much of God. But there is a difference in roles. There's a difference in roles. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to flip this board over here. I want to do just a couple of more things. Now, they would say that they're equal in worth. Neither of them are greater. Okay, you got that part? Neither of them are greater. But that there is a difference in roles. Let's, let's do this one more thing right here. When we talk about submission or subordination, we're going to use this term, and I hope I don't give you too many. I, I always struggle with how much to give you every week. Functional subordination. What this idea includes is that <clears throat> yes, men and women are equal across the line as far as worth and value in the eyes of God. So God looks at you, he sees no different. This is where Galatians chapter three comes into play. There is no difference between male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. Is that when God sees you, he doesn't see you, oh, these are valuable and these are not. That is, there is no distinction. <clears throat> you have just as much worth as any man or any woman, okay? One's not greater than the other. But what we also see throughout the Bible and the complementarian position is, is that we seem to see this trend throughout the Bible that applies across time and across the Bible that's called functional subordination, which means that women are to submit to men and that men are to lead women. Is that men were created to be leaders and women were created to follow. Now, how many of you that kind of sticks in your crawl? Okay. That's a tough teaching, especially in our day and time. But it doesn't have to be. I want to show you now, a I want to examine a couple of scriptures right here. I can feel the tension in the room. I can feel, oh, you better show me some stuff. Now, I know, I know from talking that there are a lot of women out here to say, that don't bother me at all. I embrace that. And I, want, I think once that you, you, you examine real life, you examine your real desires, and you examine the scriptures, I think you'll find this to be a glorious truth. And not something that would make you rise up in, in defensiveness. Okay, so let's look at a couple of things here. <clears throat> let's look at Ephesians. I want to examine Ephesians chapter 22. How long have I been going? Oh, i got plenty of time. I want to examine now because the argument is against complementarianism. The argument is, is that those were only cultural teachings and have been demolished by the cross and by progressive thinking. That was for that time, but it's not for now. I got, we need to examine those, okay? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, and let's examine whether or not we can find out, are these cultural or are they principles that transcend time, meaning that they apply to all time? doesn't matter if it's a 1,000 years from now or a 1,000 years ago. As we open up, <coughs> I'm having a hard time with my throat. As we open up to chapter 5, let's read it again. Wives, 
Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This is huge. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, we've got to ask a couple of questions. Now, do all of you agree that I just read this out of the Bible? Everyone agrees. Everyone in the room has to agree because I actually did. As to the Lord, okay? Now, if the wife is to submit to the husband as to the Lord, then that necessarily means that the wife is to submit to her husband in the same way that the church is submit to the Lord, is to submit to the Lord, and as she is to submit to the Lord. So we start asking questions. Okay, if my submitting to my husband is to reflect or mirror how I submit to the Lord, then how do I submit to the Lord? Then I can kind of define how I should submit to my husband. Okay, now what the culture has said is that, well, that was for then and this is for now. That applied then, but it doesn't apply now. Well, when we read this, let me ask you a question. Do the roles between Christ and the church ever reverse? What? Do the roles between husband and wife in looking at this mirroring, should they then ever reverse? It seems to me, if the wife is to submit to the husband as to the Lord, then it would always be that way because the church is never found leading the Lord. Never do we find the Lord submitting to the church, right? You can't find it in the scriptures. So it continues. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Here's another huge statement that seems to transcend all of time and all of culture. Listen to what it says. For the husband is the head of the wife. The husband is the head of the wife. How is the husband the head of the wife? The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, the Greek word for head here is a word called kephale. Now, I did a study when I was at North Greenville University on this whole issue, and I had to present a paper that was a push for an understanding of complementarianism and the roles of men and women. And I did, a re- I did research on this word kephale because the argument with the word kephale or head was that it's not, a, it's not a figure of authority, but it is the source, like the head of a river. It's just the starting place of that. But what I found was, and most all theologians have found the same thing, is that this word kephale is used some 400 times in the scriptures, and never one time is it used for source. There's another word for that. It is always used to present some type of authority or some type of leadership or some type of of, of position of leading that someone would be following. So we seem to, to, to learn here is that the, the, the husband is to lead his family as Christ leads the church. Now, does, does the church ever lead Christ? Does the church ever lead alongside of Christ? Can't find it. The church is to always follow and respect Christ as the head or the leader. 
Anybody have any room to disagree so far in the Bible? Let's go somewhere else because all of these are absolutely uh, critical. First Timothy, first Timothy, I'm sorry, chapter two, first Timothy chapter two, verses 11 and 12. <clears throat> now here are huge verses for chauvinism, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to do a little work on chauvinism just to kind of prepare you for next week. Because if we, now every one of you have to come back next week, because if I leave today alone and you don't come back and you don't let me show you how a husband is to do what he is supposed to do, because I won't have time today, then you got women, you got to bring your husband back because I'm going to get him next week. Okay. I'm going to get him next week, and I'm going to have to show him how to lead because that is crucial, okay? So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and let's look at this because chauvinism or chauvinists use this often to plead their cause and to say, you see, there are women need to sit down. And women or feminists oftentimes will try to cut this verse out of the Bible and say, that verse doesn't apply anymore. But let's read it and see what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. The Bible teaches in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, that women are not to hold authority over a man. Now, churches and church government and church polity go back and forth on this all the time. People go back and forth on this all the time. I know that there are people in the room who hold that women can pastor a church just like any man. And I know that there are people in the room who say women shouldn't have any role in the church whatsoever. I believe if we examine these scriptures right here and we ask a couple of questions, what we must ask is, and feminists and uh, Egalitarians alike would say this Bible needs to be, I mean, this verse needs to be forgotten about as in applying for today because this was cultural. This is not holding to us today and needs to be dismissed as a cultural teaching. The only problem is the Bible. And let us examine this text closely to see, do we think that this is cultural? Has it been that way for the whole time? And does it still remain that way today? As he says here in verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. You see what Paul does here in 1 Timothy is, is that he takes and he makes a statement. He says, I do not permit a woman to lead men. Because I've called men to that position. The question is, is this cultural or is it transcendent? Is it cultural or does it apply to us today? And many say you need to dismiss it because it's cultural. But the Bible, what Paul does is that he says this has been true from the very beginning. He says, for Adam was formed first. And we go to the creation account and we look at the creation account and we say, okay, well, what, is, what does he mean there? And if we go back to Genesis chapter one and we start to read. <clears throat> Genesis chapter one, 
Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Let me ask you, when it goes back, who did God create first? God created Adam. And then he named Adam. And then Adam named all the beasts that came to him. One at a time, he named them. And in this process of naming, we see this authority starting to take shape. And we see Adam starting to lead from the beginning of time. And then uh, Eve comes along. Who names Eve? Adam names Eve. But he is to lead her. He is to love her. He is to protect her. But what do we see in the very first role reversal of all time? Do you remember what happened? You see, God had created Adam, and he said, watch over, take care of, die for, if necessary, your bride. I am taking her out of your side. She is to help you as you lead. She is to come alongside of you and bring out the very best in you, and you are to bring out the very best in her. And together, you guys are to press forward in these roles that I have called you to. <clears throat> but as soon as the roles are reversed, we see chaos. You see, Satan came and he tempted Eve. He came to Eve and he said, did God really say? And Adam, or Eve said, hmm. She took the fruit and she ate the fruit. And then who led Adam into sin? Don't start elbowing your wife, okay? Eve came to Adam and said, you got to try this. And Adam followed his wife. At the very first role reversal, we see the beginning of sin, and we see the beginning of the fall of mankind. And out of this, both men and women are cursed. Now, does this mean that women have zero capability to lead? I don't think so. That would be chauvinism. That's not where we are. But we do see that seemingly Paul is saying that I don't permit a woman to hold authority and to rule over a man. And I'm taking you all the way back to Genesis. And I'm telling you that if you get these roles out of order, if you take this and you flip it on its head, if you don't do what I've called you to do, if you don't follow the scriptures teaching and let the man lead his wife, be the head of his bride. If you don't let the man lead and you take over his role, it's going to be bad for you. I think the teaching's fairly clear. Now, many women in the room might say, that just seems to be degrading to me. That just seems to be, no, I don't think so. I've got a little illustration for you that I'm, I want you to see that if leadership is done rightly, it does not in any way degrade the worth or value or appreciation for a woman. As a matter of fact, it exalts her value. Because what did Jesus say? A greater love has no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friend. Now here's a usurping the next week because what I want to show you is, is that if male leadership is done rightly, it does not take away from a woman, but it exalts her. Babe, can you come and help me please? Mike, where are you at? Mike, how can I miss you? Come up here, please. <laughs> you beastly man, you. <clears throat> I 
All right, Heather and Mike are going to help me with an illustration. Baby, I'll come over here. Now, I love my wife. Come over here. Mike, you stay over there, brother. <laughs> here, come this way. Come this way. All right, so, here, not that far. All right, so, my wife and I, we live life together. I love her as my own soul. I would lay down my life for my wife. I don't think that I'm greater than her. Uh, as if anything, I hope, and my prayer is, is that if given the opportunity, I would die for her, which really, in all actuality, elevates her worth over mine in my mind because her life is worth more than mine to me. I would give up mine if she could keep hers. Amen. Okay? Now, chauvinism would be this way. Now, here's the picture, and here's the illustration. My wife and I have just come out of having dinner at one of our favorite places, Miabis. okay? We, if you've ever been to Miabis, you go around to the back of the parking lot, and it's kind of dark back there. There's really, you know, there's nobody back there, so we're, we're walking out. Baby, let's hold hands while we're walking out. I've bought dinner because, of course, she doesn't have any money, right? She's broke. Women can't make money. Uh, and I'm a chauvinist, by the way, Okay. <laughs> So we're walking out, you know, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk a little ahead of her because she needs to stay behind me, you know. Uh, if somebody sees us, they need, to be, they need to see me first, right? So we're walking out. Now, Mike is a big guy, and he comes out, and he's got, his, he's got a knife in his hand, okay? Come on, Mike. You got a real knife? <laughs> At least I didn't say gun. All right, back up a little bit, Mike. I'm feeling a little intimidated. <laughs> All right, so we're walking out. Mike comes out with his knife, and he says, give me all your money. Give me all your money. Come on, a little more aggressive than that. Hey, man, give me your money. Okay, okay, okay. Now, <laughs> I've, got, I've got, hold it up. I've got, I've got an option here. If I'm a chauvinist, here's what I do. Woman, get over and sit down before you get in my way. No, don't sit down. I was just kidding. Listen, there ain't nothing you can do here. Just sit over there. Be quiet. I got this. Don't get in the way. And I'm going to handle it, Right? But now what did I just do? I handled it. I led, but I absolutely degraded her, right? You have nowhere. You're just going to get in the way. You know, if you were smarter, you might could help, but degraded her, right? Now, is that, is that a biblical view? Absolutely not. Would you want that kind of husband? Would you want that kind of leadership? Which is why I think our culture is starting to move toward uh, feminism. It's because of sorry male leaders. Just, I ain't going to say the word I could say. All right, come back up, baby doll. See, she's like, please don't. Okay, now, <clears throat> we're going to go feminism, okay? And uh, when, Mike, back up a little bit, man. You're all up in my... <laughs> all right, so we're going to go feminism now. We're going to give it a little illustration of feminism. And we're going to be walking out now. We're walking, and she's a little bit ahead of me, you know, because she paid for the meal. Uh, she's got all the money, and uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Now, if you're a stay-at-home dad, I'm not trying to... Stay-at-home dads, praise the Lord. We'll talk about that later. She's walking a little ahead of me because she's more important. She's got the money. She's leading this family. And uh, we got somebody coming up here, and uh, he pulls his knife. Give me all your money. <laughs> Honey, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? Get him, get him, honey. <laughs> oh, Heather's like, oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Now, would any, okay, now, any feminist in the room, don't raise your hand, but any feminist in the room, do, is that really what you want? Do you want to be right out front? Do you want, to, do you want a husband that, that is, you know, 
following you? Do you want that? Does anybody? It seems to me that this is a drum that we're beating. And if a feminist would get the clear understanding of what the scripture teaches about a man, I don't think that they would stand there. I, now, that is my opinion. I don't think that any woman would want. Now, this is opinion again. I, don't, I just don't see a woman wanting the type of man that would say, get him, honey. I just don't see that. You know, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think so. Maybe so, but I don't think so. So now here we are, egalitarianism. Okay, we've walked out. And uh, Mike stepped. Now, hold on, hold on. We split the check, by the way. Okay? <laughs> I made sure she paid her half. Okay? Because she's completely equal. All right, so we're walking out. We're walking out here. Mike approaches. He wants all of our money. Giving you money. All right, now, in egalitarianism, okay, calm down. Calm. In egalitarianism, I look at my wife and I say, all right, let's do this, babe. Come on, put them up. All right. We got you, sucker. You know, right? And it's like, ooh. All right. So this is egalitarianism. We've split the bill. We're going to split this, this uh, task right here completely equal in every way. Why in egalitarianism you say, well, that's not right. Why? Why? You want to be completely equal across the board? You want to be known as not weaker in any way? Let me tell you right now, men, now the text, you might not find it written exactly this way, but I promise you, men are weaker in a lot of areas. Amen, ladies? Men are weaker in a lot of areas, but women are weaker in a lot of areas too. We find then that it seems to be the natural way that God designed it for these functional subordinate roles that he created them that way. One's not greater than the other. They're both wonderful in everything. Now, complementarianism. Now, yes, they do, baby doll. All right. <clears throat> complementarianism, we're in the restaurant. We've just finished a lovely meal. Now, my beautiful wife, she works and has a good job. As a matter of fact, she's got two master's degrees and she's on national board certified, so she okay. makes deep... No. <laughs> she makes decent money, okay? And we share everything. We only have one bank account and only one money. Everything that I've got is hers and she's got full access to it. And everything that she's got is mine and I have full access to it. There's nothing hidden. We are completely equal in that way. But when it comes to leading the home, I lead the home when she lets me, okay? No, I, I lead my home as best as I can. Sometimes I do a better job than others. But she supports me in every way. And I would not be able to lead if she did not help me to lead. I would not be complete and whole if it was not for my wife because the two will become one. But she loves the fact that I lead. Now, it's hard for her sometimes, just like it's hard for me sometimes. But we know that that's the biblical approach. And so I've paid for the meal Okay, out of our money, right? I have gotten up and we're going to the car. We're walking together side by side, okay? Because we're equal in worth and not one of us stands out in front of the other. But Mike approaches now. Give me money. Now, at this point, um, hey. <laughs> at this point, Heather, she is going to move behind me. But not in a dominating, degrading way, but this is the motion. As Christ loved the church, I say, baby doll, I love you. You get behind me. He's got to come through me to get to you. Now, 
she's not going to have to fight unless I lose. <laughs> and I won't lose, Mike, because I love my wife. Now, what I have done is, is if I had time, I would say, yeah, you can sit down. Go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Thank you. If I had time in that situation, what I would say is, is that, babe, I'm not degrading you. You are worth everything to me, and I would gladly die for you. You move behind me as I lead in order to protect and hold us together. I'll lay down my life for you. I will die for you. Now, did I degrade her by doing that? Or did I elevate her by doing that? Now, you tell me, how many ladies in the room would not want their husband to take that action? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. This is not degrading. This is not, you're not called to be a submissive doormat that you're walked over. Not at all. Proverbs 31 woman comes to mind. She is fully capable. She can make money. She can have a job if she so chooses. My wife has a job because she chooses to have a job. If she wanted to come home, I'd make a way for her to come home. If she wants something, she gets it. My wife, I think I can say, is spoiled, rotten, and I like it that way. Babe, am I, am I telling a lie? You're spoiled and you know it. <laughs> ask my wife how many times I tell her no. Just ask her. I try not to tell my wife no. I try to never tell my wife no because I love her, and I, and I do anything I can in the world for her. I, I work for her. I protect her. I do everything I can for her. When, when I'm following Christ, I can be right on the money. Now, I can become a chauvinist. I can become uh, uh, just a pain in the neck. But when I'm following Christ, I'm loving my wife, and I'm lifting her up. Let's go back now to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to show you something here, and uh, we're getting right about the time where I need to draw it to a close. If, the, if Claire, if you want to come up or whoever. <clears throat> what do we need to look at now is, what do we find Christ teaches on this idea? And does functional subordination, doesn't that, or, or when, I, when, I, when I have a functional role to submit to my husband, is that... Does that, does that not degrade me? Does that not, does that not mean I'm a lesser class citizen? Does that not mean I'm lesser of a person? Does that not devalue me? Doesn't it devalue you if you're not the leader? I want to show you something. One, I want to show you that it says here in Verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's start in verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold and jewelry or clothing you wear, <clears throat> but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, this, this seems to indicate that what, what 
Peter is calling a woman to be is, is this really gentle, this really uh, quiet, nurturing, lovely person that, that helps in every way but is, but is not dominating and overpowering and trying to take leadership like the curse was in Genesis. In Genesis, the curse was that her, over the husband, was that his wife, his wife's desire would always be for him. Now, let me tell you, it's not a curse for your wife to always want you, okay? But it's a curse for your wife to always want to be the leader of the house. A lot of you ladies and a lot of feminists, they destroy men. Tear them apart. He, he won't, he's no good man. He won't lead. He, he won't do anything. He won't, he won't, he won't, he won't. But let me, have, let me ask you a question. Ladies, how hard do you work to promote the leadership of your husband? Are you always just tearing him down? <clears throat> Are you always talking over him? Are you always disrespecting him? Are you always uh, cutting him off? Yeah. Are you always holding something over his head to manipulate him? Will you let your husband lead his home? Or do you take the leadership and then criticize him because he's not a good leader? Eve was taken from Adam's side to be his helper. The church is to follow Christ and exalt him to his leadership position. But that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that the church doesn't have a role in this whole thing. Christ gave himself up for the church. The church is to go and proclaim the gospel. The church is to be actively supporting. <clears throat> you see, it says here, that gentle and quiet spirit, that, submission, that submissive spirit, it says in verse 4, 4b, it says, which in God's sight is very precious. Ladies, I know you get run over. I know you do. And I know the tendency is to raise up in arms and go to war. It's not going to help. You can't change your husband by warring against him. You can't change your husband by nagging him all the time. Proverbs says, better to live on the corner of the roof than in a house with a nagging wife. You ride through Landry, you see all these men on the corner of the roof. <laughs> you know his wife just won't shut up, right? It's not helping you. It's not helping you to try to dominate and talk over him all the time. First Peter chapter three says, maybe if you would seek the Lord and, and be gentle and precious and love him despite his flaws and lift up his leadership, he might start to emerge. He might not. And you gotta ask your question, will you be the woman of God that God's called you to be despite him not being the man that God's called him to be? Is your following God dependent on your husband's walk with God? Or do you follow God because you follow God? The last thing I want to show you <coughs> is Jesus. When we look at John chapter 6, so the question is, doesn't it degrade a person to follow? Doesn't it grade a, degrade a person to submit? Let's, let's listen to Jesus. 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father has given me, they will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You see, Jesus Christ was completely submissive. Jesus Christ was equal with God in every way. He was God. But he submitted in every way to what the Father said. Ladies, to submit is not to be unequally yoked. To submit is not to be unequal. It is precious in the sight of the Lord. And it is how God proclaimed it to be. I do pray for you. I do pray that God would send a man that it would be easy to submit to. But don't let what God has called you to do be dependent on what any man or any woman does. As we all stand to our feet, <clears throat> I want to show you that you can actually glory in your weakness too. You see, my wife, we've talked about this many times. It doesn't make my wife upset with me for me to move her behind me if someone came because she knows I'm stronger. I'm stronger than my wife is. Is that degrading? Absolutely not. She's much stronger in other ways. But in this way, I don't degrade her by moving her behind me. I elevate her just like Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says that in weakness... He was crucified. And in our weakness, his strength is perfected. It is not, it is not degrading to be weaker. Many times you will not see the weakness, you will not see the strength of your husband emerge until you are willing to be weak in his presence. You want him to hold you? Fall into his arms. You want him to protect you, lower your fists. You want him to speak life, stop speaking death. Now, as we come to this invitation time and this call to respond to what God has said, my, my call is simply this. You've heard what I've said. You've heard what I've taught. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you agree. But I want to ask you today. Are you where God wants you to be? Have you railed on your husband or your ex-husband? Have you been dominating over your wife and not giving her the value and the worth that God has given her? Have you, have you been leading in a terrible way? Men, have you, have you taken a step back and you won't lead her? Women, do you make it extremely hard to be led? Because of your dominating attitude. Is there repentance that needs to be in the room? I know I have some repenting to do. My wife and I both, we've not arrived. I need to lead her with everything that I've got. And I need to be willing to lay down my life for my wife in an instant. I need to lead my family. Men, how many of you need to lead your family? Wives, how many of you need to let them? The altar is open. And the Lord is here. Let us become one and let us do 
what we've been called to do and complement one another. Where she is weak, I'm strong. And where I am weak, she is strong. Let's do what God has called us to do and stop focusing on everyone else. Respond how God is calling you to respond.